Good morning, Springfield. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF, the Nick Reed Show. This hour, I am joined in studio with John Bledsoe, and I will give you his bio here momentarily. And I'll also do really quickly my uh, segment of today's date in history since it's Friday at 7. But before that, the KTTS first alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Today, some isolated morning snow, then remaining cloudy, high of 37, wind chills in the 20s. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low of 24. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny, warmer, high of 48. New Year's Eve night looks partly cloudy, low of 22. New Year's Day, sunny, high of 38. And John, you came in from Pleasant Hope, so how were the roads on the way down? I'm actually uh, from the west side of Springfield. Oh! Grew up in Pleasant Hope, live on the west side of Springfield, so I've got a a short drive. Very cool. Just wet, just wet roads. Yeah, but this is Springfield. People don't know how to drive no matter what. Conditions could be dry and they still don't know how to drive. (laughs) But today's date in history, Andrew Johnson in 1808, future president, is born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Johnson's career took him from mayor of Greenville in 1834 to the Tennessee legislature in 1835 and then into the presidency. In 1890, the U.S. Army massacres Sioux at Wounded Knee. It is the tragic final chapter of America's longest war against the Plains Indians. That was in South Dakota, by the way. Ted Danson is born on this day in 1947 from Cheers. On the evening of December 29, 1940, London suffers its most devastating air raid when Germans firebombed the city. Hundreds of fires caused by the exploding bombs engulfed areas of London. Texas enters the Union. They are the 28th state. In Ashtabula, Ohio... A bridge in 1876, railroad bridge, collapsed. A train fell into the gorge, killing all 80 passengers. The Lakeshore and Michigan Southern Railway brought passengers into Chicago from points east. Hey, this is a topic for Sarah here, Huey. The railway rapist attacks 19-year-old Allison Day and abducts her from a London train. Her strangled body was recovered two weeks later. Although the perpetrator had attacked and raped many women since 1982, this was the first that he murdered. And last but not least, nope, that was it. Our guest this hour is going to discuss wastewater. Okay, let me rephrase this, do it correctly. Treated (laughs) wastewater application on agricultural property and john is an individual you know sadly we get to the point where we don't in when in interactions on social media a you do not see the person that you're conversing with Mm -hmm. b you do not know where they sit in an educational background Mm -hmm. so when you sent me your bio i thought okay this guy knows a lot more than most people would ever give him credit for Mm -hmm. so i'm going to let you give your bio and then discuss what is happening what has happened what you hope to see happen up in pleasant hope yeah yeah so uh 
I grew up in Pleasant Hope, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade. I uh, graduated high school out there in 2004, and then after that, uh, started attending Missouri State University and studying chemistry, and graduated with my bachelor's of science there in 2009, uh, then started working in the field as a research chemist for a, a local uh, research company here in Springfield uh, that was based out of the Jordan Valley Innovation Center downtown. and. Uh, Spent about six years working there until I decided I was going to go back and work on my master's while going, still working full-time and ended up uh, getting a master's in natural applied science uh, with an emphasis in environmental chemistry in uh, 2019. And then um, as of about May this year is when uh, that, that scientific toolkit really got put to use uh, from a you know, kind of a civic duty type cause where uh, there's an issue in Pleasant Hope specifically where um, there's a slaughterhouse company out there, <clears throat> Missouri Prime Beef Packers, that had put a application into DNR to modify their operating permit and request to discharge 350,000 gallons a day of their treated waste directly into the Palm de Terre River. This company sits right on the banks of the Palm de Terre River. They own about 230 acres just north of Pleasant Hope. And so me being an avid outdoorsman and angler, and you know, I recreate out there and fish and float. And it was something that definitely kind of, you know, struck me to my core. And I didn't really have much of a choice but to start, you know, applying, you know, my scientific knowledge and, and experience and background. And so really the first thing I did was reach out to the Missouri Stream Team, uh, which is a volunteer organization funded by DNR and Missouri Department of Conservation, uh, where citizens are actually trained and given testing equipment and able to go out and collect water quality samples and report that back to a database that DNR manages. And it's kind of a first defense, you know, first boots on the ground for, you know, keeping, you know, our water quality in check and discovering you know, things that may not be up to code. So that's kind of the quick snapshot. I've actually participated in a couple of the Missouri stream teams, and there was a piece of property, and I can't remember which river. It's there on uh, West Bypass, just, oh, yeah. just north, Creek, yeah, just or, north of the uh, beer distributor. Yeah, Wilson's Creek. Okay, yeah. the, yeah. We, we did a, uh, a lot cleanup there. Yep. And... It ended up being that I don't know if the owner, I think the owner is down in Texas. He was not aware that somebody busted down the gate. Mm. People were driving there. I mean, we took out like two and a half, close to three dumpsters and still didn't get anywhere near yeah. that 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 property cleaned up. And mm -hmm. people don't realize the crap that they they themselves do to our water supply. But yep. Yep. It, it ends up being interesting. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. You know, I almost feel like I should do a pyramid roofing company commercial or something. They they seem to be uh, to missing to be missing this today. But with me in studio is John Bledsoe, and he is with the what is the name of that the Palm de Terre. Palm de Terre Water Watchdogs. Water Watchdogs. That's it. Now you talked about your background. Mm -hmm. So what is it that kind of was it them pulling permits or did you apps did you notice something start occurring in the water that got your that brought this to your attention 
Yeah. So, so what really brought this to my attention was social media in the beginning. So, uh, this this plant had become operational in 2021, and what ended up happening was that there's neighboring landowners to this facility that had been experiencing uh, significant degradation to a tributary that runs through their their property there on the Palm de Terre River and. Um, and so they had seen, you know, foam and excess algae, you know, loss of, you know, wildlife. And uh, so they were kind of shouting on, on some local uh, Pleasant Hope News Facebook group. And and so they had been actually working with DNR for and the EPA for over a year about this issue, trying to get, get some, you know, change. And it was due to some of those, you know, locals in Pleasant Hope that, we're already working closely with DNR that um, they were able to basically find that when Missouri Prime put their application in to modify their operating permit, uh, DNR opened up a public commenting period in May. And uh, there was a young woman in, in Pleasant Hope that the, the day that that commenting period opened, she was on top of it and uh, she was able to you know, kind of sound the alarm and say, hey, here's what they're trying to do now. We've already been experiencing what this company's capable of. You don't want to let them do anymore. Um, and so as soon as I saw that, you know, that's when I, I really got pulled in uh, and, you know, tried to, you know, me and, and several other people in the community um, really focused on spreading the word, making sure that citizens were able to get their public comments sent to DNR. We had a 30-day period. I think it went from May 25th to June 26th, and we were actually able to get over 1,500 comments submitted to DNR uh, during that time period, which DNR said is the single largest amount of comments they received for one particular site across the entire state. So. That was that was a really good accomplishment for the community, at least getting their voices heard, which was the number one goal when people would ask, you know, during that time period, what it is it what is it that I can do, you know, to help and, you know, speaker speaker opinion, you know, comment to the state agency, that's their job. You know, this is a state sanctioned commenting period and they wanna know what you think, so take advantage of that. And so we did see some some results from that as well. See, I think people in Austin Center to get to the point where they don't believe they have a voice or whoever it is that they're trying to talk to don't listen. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're if you're one person responding to an issue, yeah, generally you're not going to be heard. But if you remember that there's another person, there's another person, there's another person, just because you just because you think you're the Lone Ranger doesn't mean that you're actually the Lone Ranger because there are other Lone Rangers out there mm-hmm. discussing the same issue. And I went to that one city council meeting that you all had up there where it really that wasn't the topic, but it kind of became the topic. <clears throat> and what I found odd now being that I live here in Springfield, I used to attend city council meetings all the time. So I did find it odd that your city council kind of functions in a different manner up there. I wasn't exactly, you know, it's one of those things, unless you become familiar with how your government operates and how it functions it's kind of foreign to somebody from the the outside but we'll discuss the foreign application of government after we get back you're tuned to 104.1 fm ksgf good morning springfield with me in studio is john bledsoe we are discussing the 
for lack of a better term, the pollution that's occurring up in the Palm de Terre River. And I think a lot of people will get to the point where they'll hear Pleasant Hope, but the the Palm de Terre River feeds into the Palm de Terre Dam, does it not? Yep. Which then impacts Hermitage and yep. that whole surrounding area up there on Highway 54. So it's not just a local issue. It becomes an issue further out. And then eventually... The soil can only take so much. So if you're out there spraying and spraying and spraying and spraying, I hear the, oh, well, it's really good fertilizer. Well, at one point, at some point, it becomes not really good fertilizer because then you end up contaminating people's wells. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it just steamrolls. I mean, we have the whole issue here in Springfield about Litton Industries. And then that chemical that's that's the whole way up by uh, Fantastic Caverns now which blew me away because I would have thought water from Springfield would have flowed south. But then when you look at one of those maps that mm-hmm. that shows how Springfield, with the way it designed on its plateau, yep. yeah, it would flow mm-hmm. north. So do you see where people in those other surrounding communities are getting involved or have any type of knowledge that this is occurring yep. upstream of them? Yeah, upstream, it's honestly, it's been a little bit, uh, definitely harder of a battle to, to get the word out upstream, you know. Unfortunately, it's, you know, if, you know, the, the term NIMBY, not in my backyard, that works both ways. When when it's in your backyard, you, you care, and when it's not in your backyard, you tend to not have as much, you know, care. But, uh, but yeah, definitely the people downstream, you know, Polk and Hickory County, uh, definitely a lot of the lake residents have shown an enormous amount of, you know, concern for this issue. And, you know, Pleasant Hopes, you know, as the crow flies, is, you know, 25 miles, you know, north of the lake or south of the lake. And uh, so it's definitely, you know, something that people need to be aware of. Uh, you know, regardless of whether you're upstream or downstream, because, you know, there's the famous saying, you know, we're all downstream this, you know, there is a water cycle. And uh, so we just need to, you know, do what we can to, you know, protect this watershed as best we can, because we're not going to get it back if, if we pollute it, you know, beyond repair. And um, yeah. Yeah, we're absolutely as as a community and as as people we're absolutely terrible at maintaining our natural resources mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of people and i see them even in the uh, the missouri legislative review on facebook anytime that, that this issue is posted on there well that's really good fertilizer yeah okay maybe mm-hmm. i mean what w- without going into great lengths and great details and mm-hmm. with explanations that i could not understand Mm -hmm. what is being found in the wastewater that's so detrimental to the the river and the surrounding areas yeah so just to back up just a little bit so there was a there was an organization called the missouri fertilizer control board and this was an entity outside of dnr um, that was able to uh, designate what is and what isn't fertilizer, what could be bought and sold as fertilizer. And Missouri Prime Beef was able to get this designation for their waste stream. Um, this basically tied DNR's hands and gave them no oversight, uh, unless it was, you know, violated Missouri Clean Water Law or the Clean Water Act. Um, okay, how, how did they get created, though, and how did they end up with superior authority over uh, an appointed 
board. Yeah, it, there's there's affiliations with the University of Missouri. I, I don't know all the details of, of the you know how the entity of the Missouri Fertilizer Control Board works, but it, it is an established. Uh, I guess it's a state agency of some sort, but uh, anytime we we deferred to DNR with regards to, you know, how is this, you know, legal? What what type of oversight is is taking place? DNR would say our hands are tied until we have a permit on this waste stream. We can't do anything until we have an active permit on land application. But to speak about you know the fertilizer, um, that was the biggest joke with this whole thing. So, you know. 95% of the waste stream is is water and a lot of farmers especially in this drought season that we had this year they wanted the land application of this waste simply because of the moisture uh, and they knew that even though it was being marketed as uh, you know fertilizer they were giving it away for free you know most farmers know that fertilizer is extremely expensive so mm -hmm. you know there's a cost savings there um, but I do remember uh, we, we did have some initial uh, samples that came out of one of the back of the trucks. And, you know, one of the things, a couple of the elements that you need in concentration uh, to provide, you know, fertilizing properties to your crops are nitrogen, potassium. Uh, and those were in the parts per million. Um, if you go buy fertilizer, you know, solid base fertilizer out of the truck, you know, you get different mixes, 20, 60, 40. You know, that's 20%. 40%, you know, compared to parts per million, you know, of nitrogen. So the actual content of useful nitrogen for or organic uptake is, is extremely low. So to call this fertilizer is a stretch times, you know, a million almost. But yeah, call, call it liquid with cleaning solvents in it, pretty yep, much. Yep. And so, but what this does, what this waste stream does have a lot of in it is uh, an enormous amount of bacteria, pathogens, coliform, uh, things that, you know, when you oversaturate the soil, you're going to get ground and, and groundwater contamination, surface water contamination. Um, and, and what really, you know, there's, there's two coinciding issues that have been taking place in Pleasant Hope. One, one of them is this, you know, this permit to want to discharge into the river um, and they were proposing using an experimental technology. Missouri Prime Beef Packers had proposed this, this technology called iLeaf, which is uh, basically an unproven, untested technology uh, that they claimed was going to be the one-size-fits-all. We, we just put it in our lagoon, dump some of these microbes in here. It does everything from A to Z, and then we've got a clean cup of water that we can dump right in the river, no problem, no harm, no foul. And this is where, um, you know, the due diligence of the community and, and the people that really started paying attention and reading through this 40, 50-page document that was submitted to DNR. Um, after I personally spoke to Heather Peters, which is the branch chief uh, for DNR in charge of water quality and uh, pollution, she, uh, I asked her, because in this in this application, it said that this eye leaf technology was used in one other facility, and that was in Arkansas. And and Heather Peters actually gave me the name of that facility. And so right after I got off the phone with her, I called called this facility. It was called the Furlough Wastewater Treatment Plant. It was a municipal wastewater treatment mm -hmm. plant. It wasn't an uh, industrial, you know, slaughterhouse. Um, 
And I talked to a board member there that said they don't use iLeaf technology. They've never heard of it. They use earthen uh, earthworm beds to treat their waste. And uh, so there I found, you know, an error in this application. Okay, here's a company that's referencing a technology. And then when you follow the sources, turns out that's not correct. So go back to DNR, include that in our comments, come to find out DNR didn't do their due diligence to, to check on this. And so, which is, which is pretty concerning when, when you feel like citizens are actually doing a better job than, than your state, let, <laughs> state government. And I, I, I have determined that generally it is the citizens who do a better job than the state. Mm -hmm. And we have these crass commercial messages that we need to break for. So you're tuned mm -hmm. to 104.1 FM KSGF. See, this is, the, well, actually, this isn't the kind of music that Darren would want, but I know he was not happy with the Christmas yeah, music uh, yesterday. Yeah, can't so. win for losing with him. But that's the way it is. But I am along his line of thinking. As soon as Christmas is over, let's end the Christmas music and move on to, there's only so many times and so many different ways that you can listen to the same song over and over and over It was not my fault. Again. I actually changed it out, and then the people who do traffic, they re-exported what we call our logs, so where all of our commercials and everything is, and so all of the changes I made immediately disappeared. <laughs> and it took me like 30 minutes to do it, because I don't typically do that. Nick usually helps. So I was like, dang it, it was a mess. <sighs> if, if one of your, if, if one of the people in the Palm de Terre watchdog group want to research how this Missouri Fertilizer Board came into being, mm -hmm. I absolutely would. I, I, there's too many research projects on my plate to deal with another one, although that research project sounds quite interesting because mm -hmm. it absolutely blows my mind that there is an unelected official government board that has been created that supersedes the authority of an actual board that was created to look after the natural resources of the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I had had, uh, you know, some people bring this up to me very early on. It's like research the Missouri Fertilizer Control Board and because it, it was the, you know, it was the organization or the entity that uh, was, was giving the, you know, the industry the they were basically the you know the people that got to decide what what was and what wasn't fertilizer and so that that's really a you know what what gives them the you know that authority and where did that come from and i i don't have the answer to that but yeah definitely if anybody wants to get on that that's that's something that we all probably need to be better informed about yeah see i'm one of those people who they'll they'll bring me an idea and go hey why don't you research this and i'm like well why don't you research it? Well, mm -hmm. because you already have the knowledge and the layout and, and those types of things. And, you know, it would be beneficial for, and now I'm sounding like that person that I don't want to be, but mm -hmm. it would be very beneficial for somebody in that group to have that knowledge mm -hmm. because then they could educate everyone else as to how it is that this came into being, mm -hmm. which would also benefit the people throughout the state because it deals with just more than people in this area it deals with anywhere where there's water or yep. or uh and any type of plant like that and i'm assuming that also part of this liquid 
mm-hmm. fertilizer, as they want to call it, mm-hmm. also involves the cleaning of the dead carcasses, the innards of the animals. So you have the cleaning of all the different surfaces within a meatpacking plant. You have the washing down of the floor. Yep. You have all the chemicals that are involved in every cleaning function that there is now from there does that water actually go to some sort of a lagoon Mm -hmm. or is it stored on property in a tank and then put into a truck and then transported yeah so from the way i understand it and you know me me being you know a private citizen and not an employee of missouri prime beef packers i don't have all the specific details on their water treatment practices but i do know that they have uh, three lagoons on their property uh, easily visible through google maps uh, they they go from lagoon they pump you know all the wash down everything you know from the slaughtering process and a lot of that is reused you know 95% of this is you know wash down and you know bleaches and and things of that nature for disinfection and and it goes from one lagoon for a hold time to the next lagoon to the third lagoon and then pumped out of there uh, due to their excessive production you know they've scaled up to the point where they can't manage their waste uh, properly so that third lagoon is you know reached capacity and they they're slaughtering 750 plus cows five days a week Um, and it's something that you know now they've had to resort to excessive land application Uh, dnr said they don't have enough acreage on their property there uh, they, de- they had designated 109 acres for land application. So they had sprinkler systems set up. Uh, you'd drive by, you'd see the sprinklers just running all times of the day and night. And that's where the neighbors uh, downstream, uh, because there's a tributary to the Palm de Terre River that flows directly through this property. Uh, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. And, and the excessive use of land application on that site with, with the sprinkler system basically just sent that waste from that third lagoon directly into the tributary that degraded, you know, significantly uh, the little creek that flows directly into the Palm Terre River. In, in, a, in a former life, I was an over-the-road truck driver, mm-hmm. and we used to haul Smithfield yep. products. And when you go into any, especially in the Carolinas, mm-hmm. when you go into any facility where you're picking up beef or pork, you would smell the tr- the the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. four towns before you got there. Yep. And one day, is it break time already? Mm-hmm. You're tuned to 104.1 FM KSGF. <laughs> Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers here. You know, we've had quite a bit of crummy weather this week. Lots of rain, even snow and freezing drizzle. And if you've noticed that your gutters are just not keeping up, or maybe you've had some more serious issues pop up, yellowing on your ceiling or just even full blown leaks, right now is the best time to call Josh over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. And, you know, there are some misconceptions about you have to wait until spring or even summer to get a new roof. That's not always the case. I recommend if you are noticing some of those serious issues, go ahead, call Josh, call the Pyramid Roofing Company. They'll come out, they'll do a roof inspection for you, and then they'll work through that process with you. Maybe you're in a situation where you don't need a whole new roof, uh, or maybe it is time to go ahead and get that full roof replacement. Whatever the situation is, the Pyramid Roofing Company, they have got you covered. So right now is a good time to go ahead and give the Pyramid Roofing Company a call. You can find all of that contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. 
And I can assure you, Josh will hop up on your roof numerous times if the problem keeps reoccurring as he did on my roof. That is true. But where I was going with the Smithfield conversation was that the uh, Smithfield, before it was bought out, had actually gotten permission from the uh, the right of way where the power lines uh, the are at was to basically channel out and run irrigation channels out through there with uh, overhead sprayers. Mm-hmm. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they would just be... And you wonder why it is that you could smell the the slaughterhouse four or five towns away, which is like 15 miles. Mm -hmm. And then when you start talking to like on on the way out, there's always a little restaurant that has truck parking. So you could go in and you start listening to the conversations. And these people are discuss- were discussing, and they, back then they're in the same position as the Palm de Terre people are now. Mm-hmm. They were discussing the sprayers that were back. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, they're a mile off their property, but you can't continue just to spray and spray and spray and spray. And it makes me wonder if if that water is so clean that it can be put back into the soil, then why can't they reuse it inside the plant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they actually had issues with with their own private well there, and uh, and at Missouri Prime, and had to dig a twelve hundred foot deep well because the the water that they were getting from the aquifer was not even clean enough uh, to process these uh, cattle and do the do the wash downs. So, uh, but yeah, it's you know the you you really need clean water when it comes to handling food and, and the amount of expense. You know everything is going to have a cost associated with it and. You know, the expense for getting water to that standard would be astronomical, especially for, you know, food processing. But, but yeah, you know, I, I just like to remind people, you know, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing and the dose makes the poison. You know, you can overdose on water if you drink too much of it. Uh, so just because, you know, we think that something's benign or harmless doesn't mean that, you know, that there is, you know, a potential negative impact. And, and what we've seen, you know, especially in Pleasant Hope is, you know, a company that is scrambling, you know, to figure out what to do with their waste and meanwhile continue to produce, you know, cattle uh, for the slaughter, you know, production. And and in that they've, you know, resorted to cutting corners significantly, uh, not only, you know, requesting the discharge in the Palm de Terre River with a false technology, that's a, that's a big corner you're cutting, but... You know, currently land application is, you know, just it's been excessive since, uh, you know, May of this year. And so so earlier we were talking about the Missouri Fertilizer Control Board and, hey, this is fertilizer. Well, if now they're actually paying landowners to, to dump this on their field. Some it's been reported now that there's landowners in Pleasant Hope that are receiving $50 a truckload uh, to have this. And so now uh local landowners are having a financial incentive to get this yeah bring me 10 trucks a day i could use that you know extra cash in my pocket and i don't i don't blame them you know i understand that you know get anywhere you can get a little extra income is okay and it doesn't seem like it's that bad of a thing you know but when it starts running off on your neighbor's property or you you don't have your cattle removed from that field and you're spraying slaughterhouse waste on a pasture that has cattle grazing at the same time or the ground's frozen and it just runs off. Uh, there were reports of them land applying as late as eight o'clock last night uh, on, on the Facebook group. And so, you know, land applying at night, you know, right after a rain event, or you know, in a situation like this where the ground is freezing, 
it's uh you know there's a lot of malpractice that's taking place right now you know you were talking about the you know the easement or the, the utility line so they um and from my assumption is the anticipation of the restrictions for land application coming up with you know the ground freezing um, they'd actually installed hose about a one foot diameter hose uh black rubber tubing that was going down the right-of-ways of the roads underneath the highways through the culverts up to a private field uh, where it apparently was hooked up to a sprinkler that would they would pump from the lagoon this over a mile long mile and a half long of this tubing and uh, so we had to figure out you know who's responsible for regulating that and you know dnr con- was contacted they they dismissed that said that's not our problem and um, MoDOT, you know, we contacted them because this actually happened back in June, and DNR, you know, shuffled shuffled that under the rug, and then it was MoDOT that actually was the one that was able to get get them to remove that hose. And I've heard now recently that that hose has been disconnected, but uh, we had heard reports that you know the private landowner was getting paid five hundred dollars a day to to let them put that sprinkler on their property, you know, so. It, I, and I completely understand you know, $500 a day for just letting somebody turn a sprinkler on in your, in your back pasture, you know, seems like a pretty good deal to, to most people, I would assume. But, you know, you, you don't know what's in that. You don't know how that's going to affect your property, you know, for the next generation or the people downstream. Uh, so there's, there's definitely a, a cause and effect that takes place here. And you know, I Well, think, you got to be able to afford to buy those crystals presents, and I know we're at... Mm-hmm. Uh, at break time, so 104.1 FM KSGF. Good morning, Springfield. You know, I have been remiss that I have not once mentioned the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line at 417-447-5743. But to get back to our guest, John Bledsoe with the Palm de Terror Watchdog Group, the you brought up off-air about a commenting period. So what... Anybody can comment, correct? Mm-hmm. You don't have to live within a certain geographical region or location. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody in the – so DNR will respond to anybody in the state. You can attend the public hearings being from anywhere. Uh, I've been informed that, you know, the public comments, you know, written comments are supposed to come from citizens of Missouri. Uh, but regardless, we've had we've had citizens as far out as – you know Pennsylvania that have that have made public comments and in, in some of these hearings, but but yeah, we do have a public commenting period that is open right now uh, until January eighth, where you can voice your concerns to DNR about uh, Missouri Prime Beef Packers' request for modification to their permit, requesting the discharge into the Pomeroy River at the tune of three hundred fifty thousand gallons a day with a fake technology, and then. Uh, as well as their their land application permit, you can comment on that. And we also have a public hearing uh, at Pleasant Hope Middle School on Saturday, January sixth. That starts at twelve thirty and goes till four thirty. That's the Pleasant Hope Middle School and their gymnasium there. Uh, so that's that's going to be a you know good opportunity for citizens to come and, and voice their concerns. It's not a question and answer. It's it's simply making comments to DNR. Um, and just to back up a little bit about what this commenting period is really focused on. So due to the fact that we had so much public interest on this issue, you know, over 1,500 comments submitted to DNR, 
DNR in the beginning was really trying to rush this through. So they were going to give us a commenting period on the application to discharge into the river. Then they were immediately after that, they were going to give us another 30-day commenting period to comment on the permit. And then after that, they were going to combine both commenting periods into one public hearing. So we basically were going to be shorted our commenting period on the first, you know, the application review. And lo and behold, they actually didn't have that uh, permitting uh, commenting period because of the things that were discovered in that first round. And in October, no, it was late September, uh, they, they released a draft letter, uh, DNR did, a public draft letter, to the CEO of Missouri Prime Beef Packers requesting that they provide additional documentation of their uh, waste treatment uh, proposal, this iLeaf technology. They wanted to know, they wanted to see bench scale, pilot scale data, uh, show us residence times in these lagoons, treatment processes, disinfection, hold times, all this, you know, technical information. And Missouri Prime Beef Packers had 30 days to supply this information. They supplied zero information in that 30-day period. They did not give anything to DNR. So after that uh, 30-day period uh, closed, DNR released a draft letter that said they are intending to deny this operating permit to Missouri Prime Beef Packers. It, it wasn't a denial. It was an intent to deny. And, and then they opened up another 30-day or a 60-day commenting period that opened up in November that expires January 8th. But, you know, that is a small win for the community right there. So we, we were able to actually point out some, some details that DNR seemed to, you know, overlook. Or maybe they just didn't have the bandwidth or manpower to be able to go through, you know. You know, I've worked with DNR pretty closely over the last, you know, four to five months. I've had several teams come down from Jeff City, and we've done side-by-side water quality testing, you know, comparing our data with each other. I'm actually doing a cooperative project next year with DNR. Um, I'm going to be going through my Level 2 water quality certification in February here in Springfield. That's another thing I would encourage, you know, anybody that's interested in being involved and helping preserve our Missouri waterways is, uh, you know, join the Missouri Stream Team. It's It's a great organization. And... You know, but I'm going to be testing, uh, pulling samples once a month and uh, from April through October at six different sites and, and shuttling those samples to DNR to test for E. coli, which uh, the Palm de Terre River is on the impaired 303D list with the EPA for E. coli. So that's something that we're going to be monitoring really closely. And I'm actually going to be sampling for the DNR uh, during that time period. So... You always have a direct line of contact with me, mm-hmm. so we can always have the availability of promoting or getting some of that information out. I hope uh, producer Sarah was typing all that stuff out while you were saying it, so it will be listed on the show notes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes? Great. It was it, it was really great meeting you, considering I've been in that group for quite some time and had no clue who anyone was, mm-hmm. except for some of the people that I've already met you're tuned to 104.1 fm ksgf